the failure to act with sufficient ambition to avert the climate catastrophe will be the greatest moral failure of our time. Making changes takes courage, and if we don't change things, we won't have a future. We need a president who respects science, who understands that the damage from climate change is already here. You have stolen my dreams and my childhood with your empty words. Change is coming, whether you like it or not. Zero Carbon Easter. Hello and welcome to Zero Carbonista Series 2, The Manifesto. I'm Ian Collins. This is your weekly digest into the green agenda. You might have noticed the prominence of this subject has increased a thousandfold since we've been doing this podcast. Coincidence? I think not. The man at the centre of this programme, of course, is the green entrepreneur and environmentalist Dale Vince. It's interesting, Dale, isn't it? Because a lot of what we're going to talk about and we talked about in our earlier podcast this week is about the mainstream media finally getting on board with some of these issues. Yeah. And of course, it's been a big week for that. We kicked off our campaign with the Daily Express, our Green Britain campaign that was on Monday. And then we launched a second campaign on Tuesday called Zero for Zero, um, which is really aimed at the Chancellor to say, let's use the tax system to boost the green economy and, you know, sprinkle a little bit of Brexit into that. And then I think it was Wednesday, the um, the Sun joined the game and started their own kind of Green Britain campaign, which was uh, amazing and unexpected. And um, it's it's been a fun week, you know, talking to the guys at the Express, they've had all kinds of raised eyebrows and questions about why are they working with this guy, i.e. me, uh, from, from, you know, the right wing of life, let's say. And over on the left wing of life, uh, we've had the same. We've had people, you know, on social media and otherwise saying, what are you doing working with the Daily Express? You know? <laughs> and and I think it's perfect because it, it highlights exactly why this needed to be done, because we've got to find some meeting place in the middle where we can talk about these things and get everybody on board. Yeah. And as we've said on many previous episodes, it's really no good, as seductive as it is to, to talk to your, your own, one's own fan base or the echo chamber, et cetera, uh, because it, you know, it confirms you're not going mad and all that there are like-minded people. They think just like me, yet we're all on board with this. But in fact, if it's about expanding the narrative and, and kind of spreading the word about these issues, then you need to be outside of that chamber. Yeah, absolutely. I think not preaching to the choir is a great expression in that case. I had a chat with your friend and my friend, uh, Mike Graham, on talk radio as well this week, which was, you know, fun. It's always fun. He's, uh, he's <laughs> I was, I was, I was sitting listening outside in the newsroom uh, to that, and uh, I, I thought, hang on, this is. It started off very, you know, very civil. Um, was it a fair interview? I thought it was civil all the way through. I mean, I like. I like Mike, uh, and yeah, he's, he's right. Yes, he's polemic. You know, yes, absolutely. He takes a, an extreme position. He he kind of uh, offers an extreme interpretation of things and all that kind of stuff. I get that, but he speaks f- on behalf of an audience. Actually, well, I was about to say he's simply putting the views of the views that you're trying to get to. Uh, he's reflecting those views, and it gives you. If you didn't know where those views were, if Mike and the light wasn't there to to kind of showcase that opinion then you'd be kind of punching in the dark in a way. So I guess it gives, gives a chance for environmentalists and campaigners like yourself to, to know precisely where, the, where the, the enemy territory is, as it were. Yeah, I just like going on a show. I like talking to him. Uh, you know, I like the chance to counter the points that he makes and the views that he holds. I appreciate the opportunity as well. And I always think it's a decent conversation. My first 
kind of encounter with him on his show was a little bit uh, shocking, but you know, I, I got over that and, uh, and actually Mike, Mike improved, you know, gave me a chance to talk and stuff like that. And I feel there's a genuine exchange of views and opinions when I talk to Mike, but here's something I want to just share with you. It's super funny. Um, I got an email after the show from somebody that said, look, I'm a, I'm a listener of Mike Graham's and I just heard you on his show. And, and I, you know, I can't believe that he's doing this, you know, talking to, to you about these green issues. We're definitely going too far. So it's a little bit of a kind of anti-green rant, which was fair enough. You know, I expected that. And then this lady goes on to say, but um, I think maybe you can help me because I need some advice. I need a new heating system and, and I can't get any straight advice on, on the renewable energy options. And, and maybe you're the man to help. And I, was, I just thought that was so funny. <laughs> well, what's interesting is that we, we, we live in this strange world of sort of crass polarity, uh, this binary world, every, the, the black and white thinking of the, the contemporary age. And it's, it's fueled by, you know, a lot of uh, angst and um, upset and disturbance on social media, which sort of, if you like, magnifies that position a lot. And actually, uh, what we should be looking for is this bit in the Venn diagram where we can all kind of meet and have a chinwag. Totally. It's the overlap, isn't it? I mean, that's that's where we need to be. And we've been surprised by some of the comments from, uh, you know, people that you might consider to be more in our circle on that Venn diagram. You know, uh, you know, what are you doing working with them? Uh, you're giving the conservatives cover. You're giving them credit for green policies, all kinds of funny interpretations you know but i mean the simple fact is the express has a big audience they're relatively untouched by these issues certainly by the truth in these issues and um it's a it's a valid audience to talk to we have to talk to them uh, same with the sun even bigger audience you know they jumped on board because the express have i mean what an amazing catalytic effect that is because i mean they sell 1.6 million copies a day they've got an enormous readership pretty much on the right wing of life and uh, it's a great chance to communicate with them as well and and it's an interesting world, isn't it, where we see it with companies as well competing with each other for green credentials. Now we're seeing it with newspapers. I think that's, uh, you know, that's not quite a tipping point, but it's a change. I think, yeah, I think there is a, I think there is a tipping point. Maybe that is the, the, the right way to yeah, look at maybe it. Maybe it is. I mean, there's always going to be some people who, who don't want their minds changed. You know, I was talking to a, a, a former Tory minister who was very much on the left, I suppose you could say, of the, of the Tory party. So, so much so that he probably should have been in the Labour Party. But nonetheless, he was. Uh, he, he said one of the constant things he gets is that it almost doesn't matter what he says to certain interested groups or about whatever the debate is. Uh, the fact that he's a Tory, that's it. That's job. You know, there's, <laughs> there's, there's no, there is no community. The fact that he's a Tory that understands all the very issues the people he's talking to understand and sympathises with and wants to do something about is still no good for that small contingent. So, well, you're still a Tory, so I don't want to do business with you. Well, that, that just means people retain the, the status quo. They keep their anger. They keep their position. Uh, and really, if we want to get this through this journey called life and, and improve things and, and, you know, stop people dying and air quality control and the like, then, you know, we have to talk to all parties on this uh, and not retain kind of immovable political positions. That's absolutely right. And and that's what we've seen this week, a great kind of uh, eyebrow raising on, on, on all sides of the political divide, actually. And uh, the Express themselves have had good feedback already from Number 10 as to the campaign. And, you know, they were one of the uh, groups of people saying, well, what are you doing working with that guy? <laughs> yeah. Which, uh, you know, it's really, really interesting. And, and, you know, the Express are coming at this from the same place that we are. You know, there's, there's, some, uh, there's some common ground here. And we've got to make the environment and the green economy, we've got to make them center ground issues. We've got to make them things that everybody can see 
is for our mutual benefit. You know, it's the direction that we have to take the country in, and we need everybody on board. So I'll, I'll speak to any audience about that. I would speak to, you know, if I was invited by UKIP, let's say, to go and talk to them about the green economy and why it's good, I absolutely, I'd take that chance. And you know what? I'd throw down in front of them energy independence because it's a perfect yeah. mirror image of the Brexit campaign. And uh, and I would defy them not to support it, not not to see that it's the right thing to do for our country. Well, and, I mean, Corbyn used to go and talk to the Chamber of Commerce. Remember, they used to have those daily speeches. The Prime Minister would do half an hour. Then the opposition would do half an hour. He didn't say, oh, I'm not going to talk to these people because they're not my my people. He went and spoke to them. I mean, why, why would you yeah. not? Uh, lots of comment here. Jane on Twitter, well done on the Daily Express campaign. What's next, though, Dale, becoming Prime Minister? Yeah, thanks, Jane. I think that's a bit of a leap, but thank you for that. You say it's a leap. I mean, stranger things have happened. Yeah, that's true. true. We've got a newspaper columnist as prime minister now, haven't we? Got a newspaper columnist as a prime minister. What's the country that's got a stand-up comedian as a prime minister? Brazil. Ukraine. Oh, and Ukraine. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. There's a proliferation of funny people going into politics. Yeah, because Johnson's a bit of a comedian, isn't he? I was going to say, yes, some inadvertently, um, without even realizing it. Uh, This from Abby, which ties into something you just touched on. Where do I sign your zero for zero petition? Just, again, put a a, a little bit of meat on the bones, if you could, for that one, Dale. Zero for zero, what's it all about? Yes, an idea that comes from us and pretty much straight out of Manifesto. It's using the tax system to take the brakes off the green economy. At the moment, we have things like uh, 20% VAT on solar panels for home use and 5% VAT on coal if you want to burn it at home. So we flagged a few of these examples to the Treasury through this campaign and said, look, simple thing you can do is, is change the rate of VAT and make it zero for everything that helps us get to zero carbon, uh, which would level the playing field at least. And uh, we call it zero for zero. The petition is on change.org. And I think as of yesterday, it may have had um, 7,000 signatories or something like that. Um, so, uh, you know, it's just a, it's just a very logical thing. Why are we taxing the things and the behaviors that help us get to zero carbon? And in terms of response to that, I mean, obviously this is all great, uh, but what you really need to know is that those that you need to convince Rishi Sunak and the like are listening. Well, do, do we have any, any way of gauging whether there is a kind of movement or susceptibility yeah. there? Yeah, well, through our friends at the Express who, you know, can knock on doors that we can't, which is one of the pieces of uh, of magic of this partnership. Uh, they've had some feedback from number 11, but unfortunately, it's to the extent that uh, Rishi's in Perda because the budget is imminent, which means, you know, yeah. they won't talk to anybody or say anything about what may or may not happen. Um, it's just the way it is. So uh, bad timing in that respect. But, you know, we keep our fingers crossed, see what happens. Uh, I think Johnson is going to write something in the Daily Express at the weekend in response to the Green Britain campaign. Fantastic. So that'd be that'd be interesting to see what he says. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you might get a name check in there as well, Dale. Yeah, you never know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, let's just look at some stories here, which gives, you know, for the uninitiated, uh, it just gives you an idea of why we talk about this kind of stuff and why these campaigns are important. Thousands of lives uh, lost to air pollution, inactivity, and unhealthy diets could be saved each year if the UK takes action needed to tackle climate change, according to researchers. Across the world, millions of lives could be saved if countries raise ambitions on cutting emissions to limiting global heating to well below 2 Celsius above pre-industrial levels as they've committed to in the global Paris Climate Accord. And a lot of this stuff, it, it's kind of old news to many of our listeners, Dale, and certainly to somebody like yourself, but you have to kind of keep advancing these points and making these points so that those that aren't quite au fait with what the story is and the wider issue 
begin to understand what's going on. Yeah, and I think one of the brilliant things that's happening is that these stories are making their way increasingly and frequently into mainstream media. In this case, air pollution is killing 40,000 Britons. Our government tells us that prematurely, and most of that is coming from cars. Um, and so it's one of the big benefits of electrifying transport is the cleaning up of the air and the saving of lives. But it's not just the deaths, of course. People suffer considerably before they die from air pollution. So it's quality of life as well. And then there's a big knock on to national health service costs as well to treat that. And it's the same with diet. You know, our diet is killing hundreds of thousands of us every year. It drives the chronic illnesses that affect us in later life. It costs the NHS billions every year. And, and that's a simple choice that we can change. Um, all of this, of course, is in Manifesto, particularly in Chapter 13 of Manifesto, where we, we draw these threads all together, energy, transport, and food, how we're killing ourselves and killing the planet and, and making stupid economic choices all at the same time. Yeah. I mean, you look at the numbers here, these kind of policies on in terms of climate goals uh, could save nearly 100,000 lives uh, in the projected period. 22,000 could be saved by more exercise, 5,000 almost reductions in air pollution. I mean, the list goes on. It only goes in one direction. Yeah, I mean, I read, uh, I think it was this week, and I read a different story that said one in five of all deaths in the world are down to air pollution from the burning of fossil fuels. Wow. Incredible. Staggering. Yeah. Here's a question from Chris. Uh, he says, Dale, I uh, heard you with Mike Graham earlier in the week. I thought I'd give your podcast a go. I'm nowhere near as revolutionary as you, uh, but I don't eat as, eat as much meat as Mike. Any, any tips where I can start making changes without becoming swampy? <laughs> yeah, I love on, love the question. Bless Swampy. He's come back, hasn't he? He's uh, He's been missing for decades and he's brought his son with him. I think his 16, 17-year-old son yeah. has joined him in the tunnels, which is a lovely story. But look, it's, it's a brilliant question and it's great to hear from uh, you know somebody that listens to Mike Graham, but actually is also drifting this way. And you know, we, we don't have to be radical and, and it doesn't have to be a complete thing. I say this to people all the time, you know, don't be put off by the thought that you have to do it completely, like go completely completely vegan or or whatever you like, you know, I mean, all the steps we can take are important. And, you know, when it comes to diet, if the question is, you know, what can I do to improve my diet without going all the way? I would just say, keep dropping meat and dairy from, from your meals every day. There are so many choices around in, in yep. supermarkets, in cafes and restaurants and sure. places like that. You know, just stop eating animals bit by bit. You will feel better and you won't look back. Here's a story that kind of goes against um, any house points the government um, might be getting tacitly on this agenda. The government's flagship programme for green recovery in turmoil, says The Guardian, after it was revealed that hundreds of millions of pounds were being withdrawn from its Green Homes Grant programme. I mean, this just seems completely counterintuitive, counterproductive. Yeah, it looks like another badly run scheme. One and a half billion, I think, was set aside for this, yeah. and 95% of that is is being taken back unspent due to bureaucratic delays, getting suppliers paid and all that kind of stuff. I mean, it's just a shambles and, and a real shame. How do these schemes end up? I mean, I, I appreciate you don't really know. It's largely a rhetorical point, but... So often we read about these uh, incredibly ambitious schemes and something goes terribly wrong. They weren't able to make it work. You think, well, the people that are on this, their only job is to make it work. <laughs> I mean, that is specifically their job. You know, somebody would have been employed to administer this. There would have been others around them to make that happen. Yeah. And then they get down the road and they say, well, actually, we couldn't make this happen. So we've got to claw back the money because it's been a failure. 
Yeah, I mean, I guess they may have systems issues. Uh, if that's you know what I'm reading is it's delays in getting suppliers paid and applications approved and stuff like that. So that sounds like a systems or a yeah. process issue. But sometimes the schemes themselves are conceived of are just too complex and they don't appeal to people, and that's also another problem. And I think. The answer to this goes back to zero for zero. We don't need to give grants to people to green up their homes if we stop taxing them to green up their homes. If we take VAT off energy efficiency, equipment and products, if we take it off solar panels and heat pumps and all that kind of stuff, we don't need to give grants. We just need to stop taking tax. It's interesting because on the other side of that coin, we're talking about heady initiatives. Uh, Here's another one. It's a new fund for uh, investment in nature, nature projects which tackle climate change, create and restore habitats, improve water quality, could benefit from a new £10 million fund. And you can apply for up to a £100,000 grant to environmental groups, local authorities, businesses, or other organizations. And this is great. And you read this, so you think, okay, this, these are the kind of initiatives we want. But is, is this going to end up in two years' time? Or we'll be talking about this on the podcast. I remember that nature fund. It all went tits up. But now they've had to claw the money back. But it might be sooner than that because the closing date is the 26th of March. So uh, there's not long to go and we, we'll know how successful it was, you know, come April, I would have thought. But look, it's a nice idea. It is 10 million quid. At the same time this week, we're hearing about the government's road building program for £27 billion, which is in trouble because Grant Shapps, I think his name is, has uh, overstepped his authority. I just want to say, although it's a nice idea, it's a tiny sum of money. And that's what happens with the green agenda. You know, uh, Johnson's 10 pointless plan was three or four billion, wasn't it? Uh, Compared to the 20 billion announced the next day on defense and the 27 billion on roads and the 100 billion on HS2, you know. So we're still in a place where these green initiatives are very much playing second fiddle to business as usual. But it's actually a really important area of focus because we we need to build indigenous offsetting schemes in our country to get to zero carbon. Uh, that sits alongside rewilding perfectly. And, um, you know, what the government are trying to do is to help people set up uh, decarbonizing rewildlifing schemes that can then sell excess credits to businesses who also want to decarbonize, which is, you know, it's a great idea. We're trying to do exactly the same thing. We're going to take care of our own carbon emissions first. And we know that when we do that, we'll create a surplus for other people through indigenous offsetting. And next week in the Express, Nature is the latest arm of our campaign. Uh, we're launching a uh, a campaign with the RSPB and EcoTalk, which is our green mobile phone service, to buy a piece of the new forest uh, and to rewild it. And we're going to spend the week talking about rewilding, why it's important. Chris Packham is joining the conversation. And, um, you know, we're going to get into these issues, the, the benefits of rewilding for our country. I mean, they are considerable. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's interesting. Are you aware of, uh, bearing in mind all the debates we have about the kind of state of the world right now and COVID and what it's doing and, and, and how businesses will look, how life will look, has it recalibrated our, our moral compass, environmentally speaking, economically speaking, all of this. Um, and there's a kind of vague conspiracy theory, Dale, and I find it interesting to to get your take on this because, um, and the theory goes, there's this thing called the Great Reset. I don't know if you're familiar with this term. And supposedly big corporations have all got together and they're going to reset the world in a way that kind of you know, keeps us all prisoner and the like. <laughs> but central to that reset is an a, almost an evangelical green agenda. 
will be banned from sitting in cars, will be banned from this, you'll be banned from that, massive taxes on anything. Um, and I look at this and I think, so on one hand, this group of people are saying, this is what our political masters, along with big corporations, are secretly planning. But if you talk to anybody who works in this world, i.e. you, I'm assuming you're not seeing this level of heady progress going in the green direction. Yeah, or this level of joined up thinking and organization, I just want to say, do you know what I mean? We're in a world where the government can't give money away to green up homes. How are they part of a conspiracy that well, spans indeed, the globe? This is the thing. I mean, you just gave a great example of how much they announced on their, their 10 point list plan. Uh, and then the next day said, here's a shed load of money for defense. Here's a load of money for road building. Well, that doesn't yeah. really fit very well oh, in this yeah. uh, this new, apparently, uh, secret green controlling agenda. No, but what I mean is they set up a fund of one and a half billion to give to people to green up their homes and then can't give it away. Indeed. So, you know, how can such a government be part of a global conspiracy that's going to control our lives so completely? Uh, it doesn't make sense. There, there's no... There's no degree of, of joined upness or organization that, that exists across the world uh, in government, let alone between governments and between governments and business. But, you know, it's almost love, a problem in itself. Yeah, people love conspiracy theories and, and that's fine. But at the same time, of course, it's a misunderstanding to think that green living is about not being able to do stuff like sit in a car or have a car, you know, or eat burgers yeah. or, or watch football or whatever it is, you know, because green living isn't. And that's probably the most important message that we're trying to carry. And finally, let's finish on this. If there's one thing you can bank on this bank holiday, it's Kentucky Fried Chicken. Kentucky Fried Chicken, open all over the bank holiday. Uh, the reason we play that is because Nick on Twitter says, Ian, are you going to finally ditch the kernels now that you're working with Dale? Um, <laughs> well, the answer is, in short, yes, Dale. I mean, there's, there's wow. a couple of... I mean, we are talking about Colonel Sanders, and I've said this to you before, and I know he's probably not your favourite man. I mean, uh, well, I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm not sure if he's real, is he? But not real. After this, not- blasphemy on our, on your own <laughs> podcast. This guy's the Messiah, Dale. This, this is the man that brought joy to the world. Yeah, not to chickens. Yeah, first there was yeah, first there was Jesus, and then there was Colonel Sanders. That's that's the kind of order of events. Um, but the answer of these, of course, are huge chicken empires across the world, and get to the very root of the problem that you would highlight i i guess now and the answer is i haven't had uh any of this stuff for months um and not just because they are open at the moment i could go down the road and get one but i think i've been i've i think i've dipped my toe dale would that be reasonable to say i've dipped yeah. my toe in the in the in the waters of uh of, of, of non-chicken eating that's brilliant I, I mean it is one of those things that once people start eventually you reach a place where you can't go back you don't want to go back i think we talked about our burger last week didn't we that, that went down pretty well yeah yeah absolutely well, that's the point isn't it when people realize actually there are alternatives here this is very nice and i can enjoy this just as much if not more than what i used to eat then you start yeah. to scratch your head and go well so why would i eat the other stuff friend of mine um john maloney stand-up comedian at uh, a top man you know liked to drink used to smoke um certainly loved a steak about three years ago he gave up red meat firstly so i'll, I'll just stop the red meat because i think there's some bad stuff going on there and he stopped that and uh, then it was just a very easy move to give up the rest of it. Um, three and a half stone lighter later, wow. uh, the guy's never felt better and hasn't touched meat since. <laughs> a, a, you know, a great example of one of those, you know, the last person you'd imagine giving up meat was somebody like my mate John, but did it. Yeah, that's a brilliant example. I love that. And I think it's a really important point that um, 
it's a misconception that uh, vegan or animal-free food is some kind of substitute and inherent in that idea is a kind of, uh, you know, the idea that it's less than yeah. in some way. When, as you say, these these foods, when you try them, they, they can be, well, just surprisingly uh, good, uh, in, especially if you come in with low expectations. But even if you don't, actually, because I never go into that with low expectations, but the variety of tastes and textures and, and options available when you when you don't have meat and dairy at, at the center of your plate surrounded by a few vegetables it's an incredible world of food out there yeah indeed uh that is it for this episode uh, i already know there's going to be a lot to talk about next week dale so uh, one week from now the next episode lands as the phrase goes uh and we will uh, keep everybody up to date with the latest uh, ongoing efforts and movements in this uh, this campaign with the daily express and others Dale, have a good week. Thanks, Ian. I'm very much looking forward to it. Don't forget, of course, you can subscribe for free from your podcast provider to this podcast, so you get each new episode automatically. Really important, leave a review there as well. Uh, if you want to get in touch, you can email your comments, zerocarbonista at ecotricity.co.uk. Really important bit. Follow Dale on social media, twitter.com slash dalevince, facebook.com slash dalevince. Zero Carbon East of.